Welcome to the Shared Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. Deputy Schmoes, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. You know, um, I, so I, I put it in the hands of the students to kind of say, well, who are you interested in, in interviewing? And Maddie goes, I think like a police officer. Um, and, then, and I said, well, gosh, we've got one right in our right in our building. And um, I, I'm kind of curious what, you know, if you go back to when you were in high school, maybe, mm-hmm. is, it, is being a, an officer, a deputy, is that something you had in your mind? Well, the way I actually got into it is my neighbor growing up, his, um, my friend's nine months older than me, and his dad is a captain at the sheriff's office. He's the head of the detective bureau. Um, well, his son got a job working at the jail as what's called a cadet. It's like a paid internship, basically. And um, he said, hey, there's an opening. Has this ever interested you? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, this is a, a great foot in the door. And if you're actually interested, this is an opportunity. So I applied, and that kind of started everything. And that led everything. That, so that was like you're already your freshman. You were like 18, 19. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I still remember you we were sitting, eating Pepino's Buffet, and went home and filled out the application. So, I mean, um, yeah, I was, I think, 19 because I, I had an undecided major. I think my, the spring of my freshman year, I switched to criminal justice. Yeah, so what was that job like? That had yeah. to be, or what were your responsibilities? You're only 19, you're not even, you're not even yeah. really formally. What That's going to be scary. Re- yeah. <laughs> it, it was a little overwhelming at first because um, you don't know what to expect. Um, as a cadet, <clears throat> excuse me, as a cadet, our big thing uh, we started was the file room is what we called it. So everything was done on computers. So anytime somebody is booked in and when they get released, they have a packet of paperwork from when they were there and everything has to be put in an inmate file. And everyone, if you've ever been in the jail, has their own file. Mm-hmm. Well, they were years behind. Okay. Um, so when I first started working there, our job was to catch up. So we spent 40 hours just oh. filing papers. But oh, after boy. that, <laughs> we just had to keep up on that. Um, I fingerprint um, every single inmate that came in, um, run files. Everybody's packet stays with them in, in the jail. There's four different what we call regions. Um, so, like, you come into the booking area, you stay down there until you have um, either a bond set or uh, you're sentenced. And then once you get moved up to housing, your files kind of follow you around. And obviously, it's really a secured facility, so it's a, kind of a pain sometimes getting people's paperwork back. Uh-huh. So we, we would just kind of do the odd jobs and help with training and... Um, it was actually pretty, uh, really beneficial um, to this career. Yeah, but there was something. So there was something there that made you continue or want to continue down the path. What would right. you? What would you say? Um, I don't know. Inspired you or motivated you or? Well, actually, it was uh, after we got the file room caught up. We were allowed to do ride-alongs. Actually, got paid to do ride-alongs mm-hmm. once a month, um, and I enjoyed watching the other guys, the actual deputies at the time, do the job so much that I asked if, like, hey, can I do this for free? Like, you don't have to pay me. I just want to wanna do this. And they're like, no, it's it's against the, the union contract. Um, but just seeing, um, seeing some pretty crazy stuff and seeing the guys help people, it was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. 
So what made you want to go into, because you're like the, what's the title? Uh, different names. I always pronounce it wrong, but like school liaison. Oh, yeah. Um, I always just say school resource officer because that's what I try and tell kids. Is I'm, Yes, I deal with disciplinary things here, um, but I'm really more of a resource is the way I try and look at it for kids. Um, and I'm, I'm technically a community policing officer too is the other title because I also work in partnership with Spring Lake Township. And what was the draw for you to do that versus another area of the field? Well, when I, I started um, full-time, back in May, May 19, 2013, and I actually worked uh, the night shift, which would be 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. on what we call a rotating shift, so I'd work 7 to 14 days, um, and I did that for five months in the Grand Haven Township area, um, and the deputy that was here before me, uh, Deputy Philman, got promoted to detective, so they sent out email um, saying, hey, submit a letter of interest if you would like to do this job and um, my friend that I grew up next to was actually the school resource officer at Coopersville and he said hey it's an awesome experience um, and he goes our opinion um, I was 23 I think when I started here so I'd only been out of high school for five years so I felt like I could possibly relate to people more and so um, when I seen that come out, I applied with, uh, had an interview with the sheriff, under sheriff, and the captain, and then had to come in here and interview with Mr. Gilchrist. Um, and I don't know if that's the reason, uh, but that's what I told him. I was like, Hey, I, w I would like to help kids. And, um, I feel like I can relate to him a little more than some of the other guys that have been doing this for a long time. And I honestly, I didn't expect to get it. And, all of a sudden they said, hey, it's yours. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, so what are some, you know, I'm curious about the different titles, school liaison, community officer, and how you want to, to see yourself, the resource uh, officer. Um, how, how, I guess I'm kind of curious about how you want to be used by students and staff mm -hmm. and how you are used by students and staff. Are they... Mm -hmm. Are they what you want? Is it are they the same or is it different? And how I don't know. I, um, I guess I'm curious about that. I to an extent I do. Um, I have a, a lot of kids that will come to me with questions on what's legal, what's not, especially with driving stuff. Um, they'll just see me in the hallways or or out front. Um, but I mean that's what I'd like to be here for. I I teach a lot of stuff too um, because uh, ignorance isn't a defense in court. The kids can't say, well, I didn't know that was the law. And uh, so I'd like kids to understand, hey, this, is, this, isn't, al this isn't allowed. And because um, I never had that in high school, too. Yeah. Um, so I just, I was a little different in high school. I just stayed away from anything that I wasn't sure. It's like, okay, if, I'm not sure if that's legal or not, but I would stay away from it. Uh -huh. But um, I don't know. I just, I, like being here to help kids who have questions and aren't sure. Well, so you've talked about, so you have done that teaching, and I know you've worked with us with um, drinking and driving, texting mm -hmm. and driving, um, with the staff in, um, in, in lockdowns and what's the right way to do that. Mm -hmm. um, do, do those, do you ever get, 
I don't know. It's really helpful, right? I mean, do you ever get that feedback? Do you feel good about how's that feel when you're able to make a connection with a kid or with a staff member? Or... A lot of times, it's like kind of hard to tell what kind of um, influence it's playing on people because a lot of the preventative stuff I do, it doesn't show results. Like uh, a lot of the stuff we're performance checked on is like for arrests and tickets and stuff like that, or just traffic stops. Um, when you're doing stuff in schools, you're doing the texting and driving, the mock car crash to try and prevent kids from drinking and driving after prom and stuff like that. You, you don't know who you prevent from doing it after doing that. You just hope that it has the impact on kids that they won't. Like when you go out and you make a drunk driving arrest, well, there's, there's your stat. But when you're doing preventative stuff, it, it's harder to track, but when we actually did the, the strive for a safer drive, the texting and driving, um, we did the poll afterwards too, and I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was over over 80% of kids said they, in the time since they heard Mr. Fribbler, um, they had not texted and drove since, and that was coming from uh, the youth area survey that said kids... I want to say 70% said they had texted and drove in the same time period before that. So I thought that was pretty neat because yeah. you usually don't, you don't see the results of a lot of stuff that you do. Yeah. I can only assume a lot of people are angry a lot of the <laughs> times when you're dealing with them mm -hmm. or whatever. How do you manage that? Just your own like, uh, like emotions of that. <laughs> like, I mean, how do you, um, yeah, how do you do that? Well, I I mean, actually, in the school setting, a lot of kids, they don't aren't mad when they get in trouble. They're afraid because they don't know what's going to happen. Like, how much trouble am I really in? What's this going to do to my future? And so another thing, being a resource, I, I know a lot more how the juvenile system works. And a lot of times I say to kids, like, hey, a lot of every high school student makes some dumb decision during their career here. But you, I always explain to kids, like, hey, this isn't the end of the world. You need to know that what kind of person you are is where you come from or where you go after you get in trouble. Are you going to continue doing this stuff? And if I guess I was just wondering how you deal emotionally with people. Always, You're always intense. Mm -hmm. I think of you as always <laughs> intense situations. Maybe they're not angry. Maybe they're nervous. Maybe they're scared, whatever. But that, mm -hmm. all, all those emotions are tension filled and I wasn't sure how you like cope with that or how you try to deal with that or how you're trained to deal with that um, um I mean the way I always tell people is if somebody's real worked up when I start dealing with them either in the school or on the road um I just explain to them hey I don't know who you are I don't know your past is but I want you to understand I'm going to treat you how you treat me and if you're gonna if you're gonna make my job hard um I'm not going to give you any breaks. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you're going to learn from this experience. Um, but usually, a lot of the times, that, that handles it, and people calm down, and they understand, like, hey, I'm not there just to, because I want to see them get in trouble. Um, but I've been in the school setting since I've started. Yeah, I, on in the summers, I'm in Spring Lake Township, and... But a lot of the times, I, I don't know, I just have a way of talking to people. And even in tense situations, I can get people to calm down pretty well. Good. Mm -hmm. So What a skill. 
be one of yeah. yeah, that's an important yeah. skill. I'm curious, and like you said, like you've developed this way of talking to people. What else have you learned from being um, a deputy? Because that, I'm sure there's so much to learn in that area. I mean, there there is a lot you you see. Uh, I mean, even in Spring Lake, everybody thinks it's not such a nice area, and everyone that comes to school here is middle, upper, upper class, and mm-hmm. you. As a deputy, you see everyone that lives in this community and see what people are actually going through, and um, you understand why some people might be having a harder time than other people. Like you'll see kids at school, and you won't think, okay, what are they going home to at night? What other kind of like mental health issues are they dealing with? And working in this job, you get to see what people are actually going through. Are they some going home and they don't have um, power to their home? Are they? Is their house running off a generator? I had one student going home to, and um, you learn a lot. Uh, and but there, it's you also learn there's only so much you can do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering about on a bigger scale. So it's kind of interesting because the talk has gone from you personally to, and as a resource. But I wonder, you know, you say that you try to hey, whenever I stop someone or when I'm talking to a student, I will treat you with the respect let's find a mutual mm-hmm. balance here but we've seen like the world has turned in the last five mm-hmm. years or so yeah um, with you know with more and more video at the ready right people taking video mm-hmm. and i just wonder what your own reaction and response is when people sort of see or catch police and a bad moment, right? And sometimes a really bad moment. I mean, yeah. It's not, you know, sometimes a really bad moment. And how do you react to that? Do you feel, um, you know, when you see that police brutality or police violence on the news, how is your own reaction when you see that? I mean, it. you just got to look at it as like policing with any other career. I, like you compare it to teaching. I mean, you, you see a bad teacher somewhere and yeah. they do something that you're like, that just baffles you. Like, how could you even do that? Well, it's the same thing with law enforcement. Um, it's just ours has bigger consequences. And I know a lot, especially our department, does a ton to try and make sure that um, people are properly trained. They know how to, um, I mean, you deal with high stress situations. It's it's harder to think. So you revert, you go back to your training, um, especially during, like, you think somebody's going to assault you. It, it is harder to react. Um, but at the same time, you still got to remember that you signed up for the job and mm-hmm. um, hopefully you can not take it to another level where you're saying dealing with it on your own personal views. You got to try and deal everything with a neutral party. I guess I'm curious, what are misconceptions that you hear of a lot about police officers and like the job that you do and what do you think people need to know to get over those misconceptions? Um, Big one is I it probably won't ever be believed, um, but we don't have quotas. That's I think they're actually illegal to have quotas. A quota, just to clarify, Sorry. like a quota. No, just because some people might not know, a quota would be like we have to have X amount of tickets or arrests. Right or by we, the end of the month. By the end of the month that we have right. to meet this. Or that's okay. it's not real. Just not true. <laughs> no, um, it is part of our job to do that though, um, and unless somebody else can come up with a better way, the only way we can think of getting people to drive safe is by writing tickets. 
Um, we don't have to write a ticket for every person we stop. And I actually do warn quite a bit of people because with our system we can see if they've been warned or what their, their history's like mm-hmm. to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're the ones going to the accident, seeing people hurt, seeing people killed by doing stuff, like not something as simple as not wearing your seatbelt. Mm. Well, normal person doesn't go to these accidents and see, hey, this fatality could have been prevented as simple as something as somebody wearing their seatbelt. And when you see someone drive by and not wearing it, and you think back to that accident, like if only that person was wearing their, Mm. and you, but you can't communicate that to someone when you're stopping them. And yeah, because they're frustrated. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. right. So, and they they always oh yep trying just trying to meet the quota. No, it's it's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm sure everyone else would be up to it if there was another way to make people drive safer. We would we would go with that. But yeah. this is this is where we're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about in the school setting? Misconceptions about your job or about (laughs) what you're supposed to be doing and what you are doing and students maybe having the wrong idea about your your purpose here and and uh, how you'd like to clear that up i mean that's kind of a a tougher one to explain um because i guess the students here i mean it's not like don't say anything deputy smalls don't want to get them in trouble we actually have a huge issue here with uh people calling each other snitches if they say anything to even staff, just high school staff like teachers. And it's, I don't understand why it's snitching would be such a bad thing. If you're telling on someone to make sure that someone doesn't get hurt or somebody's being bullied either mentally or physically and, and stuff like that. I've had kids tell me, well, I don't want to say anything because me saying something will make it start being bad for me because I'll be the, the uh, snitch and I just don't know how to get past that so mm-hmm. no. and that's why we, I mean we have three different ways to report stuff anonymously I mean we have probably most students don't even know we have an anonymous safety link on the website um, the county does MOSO tips the M-O-S-O-T-I-P-S dot com and that's anonymous and then the state does um, okay to say um and either way it's all anonymous we can't backtrack and ever find out who said it just just to try and beat that kind of mm-hmm. snitch title yeah, yeah. so that's, awesome. that's at the, so sorry that was at the local at our own school mm-hmm. um site and the c- county and the state level right we have all those anonymous tipping mm-hmm. and are those specific to violent actions no, or beat specific? anything Right. That's so important. Yeah, I had no idea those existed. Yeah. That's really good to know. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Deputy Smokes. Yeah. It's great. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks it. again for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode. And don't forget to submit works of art and writing to our website to spread a little more empathy.